Happy Monday. It is the EP Podcast. I'm Austin Horton. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you had a healthy, safe, and happy Father's Day weekend, regardless of your situation as it pertains to yourself or your father, your grandfather, the father figures in your life, be it positive, negative, be it uh, a great thing to think about and a thing to celebrate like it has been always in my life, or be it a sore subject, I hope you found peace and happiness uh, over the weekend and found some good relaxing times, uh, whether together or apart, uh, but just enjoyed uh, your, your holiday weekend and your Father's Day. And to those fathers who are without their children, for whatever reason, my prayers and, and uh, love-filled uh, thoughts go towards you because uh, as I've been a father now for five minutes, she'll be two this August, I can't even begin to discuss or, or entertain the inkling of an idea uh, of being without her. So uh, happy Father's Day to one and all, whether that was celebrated with your children, with your father or not. Hopefully you had a good time. Uh, and uh, yeah, just wanted to make sure we included everyone in that celebration and in that well wish. We've got a lot to talk about today. It is a military Monday, which means uh, I, I would really like the focus of Monday's to be on our military personnel and their families. Uh, my thanks to Jenny Ashworth-Taylor, who has lined me up with a, a great interview that I hope to have ready for you next week. Today, though, we're going to revisit something we talked about with Kyle Fox of Follow the Flag uh, on our initial Military Monday interview uh, on the EP podcast now some 46 episodes ago, I believe, 47 episodes ago, uh, and he where he... Uh, took part in gifting a young man uh, his father's car, the, the car his, his father had driven before he went off to defend freedom and uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice. So we'll vi- revisit that a little later on for Military Monday. But we'd like to start off each and every day the very same. This day in sports history and June 22nd had some monumental things happen, including June 22nd, 1937, Joe Lewis won the heavyweight championship with an eighth-round knockout of James J. Braddock. If you don't know who James J. Braddock is, if you've seen the movie Cinderella Man, you know who he is, portrayed by Russell Crowe in that great movie. He knocked out James J. Braddock in the eighth round at Chicago's Comiskey Park. Rather, He held on to that title for a record to this day, 140 consecutive months. Also, one year later on June 22, 1938, Joe Lewis retained that heavyweight title with a first-round knockout of Max Schmeling before a packed crowd at Yankee Stadium in a worldwide audience. The German boxer had beaten Lewis earlier, and Nazi officials declared that he would do it again. Lewis responded by annihilating him in two minutes and four seconds. June 22, 1979, the NHL absorbed four World Hockey Association teams, the Edmonton Oilers, New England Whalers, Quebec Nordiques, and Winnipeg Jets, the Oilers already had Wayne Gretzky on the roster and went on to win five Stanley Cups in the next 11 seasons before he was traded to the LA Kings. And June 22nd, 1986, Diego Maradona touched the ball with his left arm before knocking it in with his head to give Argentina a 1-0 lead over England in a World Cup quarterfinal match at Mexico City. The goal was incorrectly ruled legal. Argentina won the match 2-1. After the game, Maradona said the goal was scored, quote, a little with his head and a little with the hand of God, close quote. It is known today as the hand of God goal. 
Argentina went on to win the World Cup that year in 1986. So there you go. June 22nd, this day in sports history. All right, we have a lot to talk about today. We got some NBA news. We've got a former NBA star speaking out uh, and giving an opinion of what NBA players and stars should do, whether they should play or not, and how that will impact the movement of Black Lives Matter. We got uh, a soundbite from Ken Griffey Jr. over the weekend that I thought was really eye-opening. But first, I wanted to start with these comments from Donovan Mitchell at the ESPYs. Now, Donovan Mitchell has been very outspoken on social media and in the public eye, uh, and I would assume also, therefore, in his personal life, about wanting to further the cause of Black Lives Matter and to educate people and to bring us all back to a ground, or first, I guess, for the first time ever, to a ground of equality amongst all the races in this country and the world. And it's very saddening, saddening? It's very sad and disappointing to see some of the comments made in complete ignorance on Donovan Mitchell's social media pages. Uh, from white jazz fans, or from jazz fans of any race, really, if, if they're, if, but it's predominantly white people who are arguing with Donovan Mitchell. He he posted a a thing that said he's free-ish, and, and people started to combat that with him. And it just, regardless of the the obvious that when it comes to you don't want to offend a star like that so that he leaves the market. I didn't that that's that's nonsense in, in the great realm of things when we're talking about this topic. Yes, I want Donovan Mitchell to play his entire career for the Utah Jazz. Yes, I want him to win championships with the Jazz. Yes, I want him to re- to retire and have his number retired with the Utah Jazz. But as much as that is a one of mine, I don't care about any of that when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement. It is not about sports. It is not about being a Jazz fan or, a, or an employee of the NBA or whatever. It is about human civil rights and equality. And when you respond to Donovan Mitchell, his post about free-ish, and you tell him, no, you are free, you aren't listening. You aren't paying attention. You are not educating yourself completely and fully. You need to take a moment, take some time, do some research, open your eyes, open your mind, open your ears, and be completely open to something to a different point of view that you've never been uh, accompanied by uh, to this point in your lives. And there's this great eight-plus-minute uh, uh, video at the, that opened the ESPYs last night, and it included a few snippets from Donovan Mitchell decrying the idea that Breonna Taylor was, was murdered by Louisville policemen, and they still have not been arrested for that murder. She was asleep in her home and was shot eight times dead. And they had the wrong home. They had the wrong person. They just bursted in, shot her dead, and they're still not arrested. That's that's abhorrent. That's terrible. Uh, It's disgusting. He also, though, had this comment uh, in the midst of the video, and I really encourage everyone to go and listen to the whole thing. Uh, But this comment really stood out to me. I wanted to play it for you. Now, we call on our white counterparts to use their voices and talk about real change and how they will make it happen. Uh, When I first heard that, I went, yeah, absolutely. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, Whatever I need to do, you tell me. And then I stopped for a second and thought, wait, why should anybody have to tell me 
what to do. And, and I want to I wanna just play this back piece by piece again for you, or several times over. Here it is, several times over, three times in a row. Here's what Donovan Mitchell just said. Now, we call on our white counterparts to use their voices and talk about real change and how they will make it happen. Now, we call on our white counterparts to use their voices and talk about real change and how they will make it happen. Now, we call on our white counterparts to use their voices and talk about real change and how they will make it happen. All right, let's break it down. The first word of that sentence. Now. Now. Action now. Not later. Right now. In this instant. In this immediate moment. Okay? Let's play it from that point. We call on our white counterparts. Who is we? Who, who is we? That is obviously an underserved, underprotected, underqualified, uh, underprivileged group of people in our country, in our midst, and why are they under us? Why are they under? Why are they underserved? Why are they underprivileged? Because we continue to do the same things over and over and over again. So when he says we, he is talking about our black brothers and sisters, or or, or anybody of the minority in this country who is not being served equally, like you and I, the white person, are served in this country. Okay, let's continue to use their voices and talk about real change. So what are our voices? As white counterparts, what, what, what does he mean by that? To use our voices and talk about real change. What are our voices and what is real change? Our voices, if, if you're following along, our voices in this country have been a lot louder and carried a lot more, uh, grabbed a lot more ears to listen to our voices. And that's not right. It's not fair. It should not happen, but it has happened. And we as white counterparts to the Black Lives Matter movement have a voice and need to talk about real change. What is real change? Change is real change. Absolutely doing it differently. Now let's finish the sentence again. And how they will make it happen. So to, to recap, now, not later, right now, we as white counterparts need to use our voices that have historically been louder and are currently louder, in my opinion, and should not be louder, and talk about real change, and more importantly, how we're going to make it happen. There is a great article. All you got to do is Google, how can a white person support the Black Lives Matter movement? And you will see 78,000, I'm exaggerating, I'm just putting a, a hyperbolic number out there, suggestions on how you can do that. Well, I would highly recommend that the easiest way to begin, if you're lost on where to start and where to begin, and, you, and you're overwhelmed with, I can't just head out to a town hall meeting without anything prepared or anything to say, you're right, you can't, you shouldn't, you need to have an education, you need to have a place to start from. And I agree with a lot of people that a really easy, convenient, but important place to start would be to watch a documentary or even a movie like just mercy or the hate you give or when they see us or, or absolutely the the life-changing documentary i watched recently called 13th that is where you can and probably should start but then don't end it there get that education that you probably have not been taught to this point in your life i know i hadn't heard about a lot of the, thing, the things in the documentary or rather in that great detail I didn't know about it, and it taught me, and it educated me, and it opened my eyes. But don't stop there. Then make real change happen. 
and go forward from there. And anyway, I, I don't mean to start the podcast real too heavy, but it's what's happening in our lives right now. It's real. It's absolutely taking place. The year 2020 will be known historically as a pivotal year. The pandemic, of course, the wildfires in Australia, obviously, the economic uh, disaster that we're in. But in my humble opinion, absolutely, most importantly, I pray that 2020 will be talked about in the history books as the year real change happened, as the year that right now, white counterparts used their voices and spoke about real change and how they would make it happen. And then we see it happen. So I applaud Donovan Mitchell. I applaud everybody who is using their voice, their megaphone, their platform to further this cause and to further educate people. And it is a fight because the, 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 it's been a centuries-long fight for their lives. In this country, black people have been fighting for their lives. So if you don't like the, the temperature or the way black people are approaching this subject around you, if you don't like looting and rioting, before you go online and call them a name or, or decry their actions in that regard, think about what you would feel like if you and your grandfather and his grandfather and his grandfather and on and on and on for centuries had to fight to just get to vote or to not have to be a slave or to be able to marry who you wanted to marry or to get equal help from the government or to get equal health care or, or to get to be able to be, be pulled over for committing a crime, not just because they were wondering if you should be where you are at that time, not to just be pulled over to say, hey, what are you doing in this neighborhood to be able to get a speeding ticket and be sent on your way rather than taken to jail. That's that's just me. I I, I before you now I do not support breaking the law, but I also do not support ignoring the cries of and and call for real change and real equality just because there have been crimes broken with looting and rioting non peacefully. The reason that those things happen is they were not being heard or felt they weren't being heard by us, as Donovan Mitchell said it, their white counterparts. And it's time for real change, and it's time to do it for real, not just to talk about it, but to talk about it and then do it. And I'm looking for more education, that, uh, and I would invite all of everybody of every walk in life to join me in educating ourselves and listening and starting from the beginning so that we can finally eradicate racism from the, the face of the earth. Speaking of using your voice and your platform to further your beliefs, your cause, and gather attention and movement, Sean Marion uh, was asked by TMZ Sports about the idea that guys like Kyrie Irving and Dwight Howard think that, and, and uh, Desha- not Deshaun Stevenson, excuse me, Stephen Jackson, uh, I'm not sure why Deshaun's name popped in my, my head, uh, but Stephen Jackson and those say that playing basketball would distract from the movement. Sean Marion had a counterpoint to that uh, that I thought was really well said. 
you know, there's a discussion. Should the uh, should the uh, NBA guys go and actually resume the uh, season? Should they not? Should they tr- focus on the movement? What, what would your advice be as a guy who had a long and great NBA career? In order for you to, to advocate and go out here and, and to show what's, what you're fighting for in the causes, you need to be on TV. You need to be out here in the front. So now, social media is a great uh, platform, but TV is a bigger platform. And because you can post wherever you post on TV, you can post it to your so social media platform. Yeah. So the only way you can advocate for that and, and keep pushing this effort and pushing the cause is on TV. So with the season resuming, it adds to that cost. So you have to play in order to do that because you're more relevant now because everybody wants some current content on TV. So the only way you can push this is to be on TV playing ball. So now you can interview and you can talk about it and keep pushing the, the, uh, the emphasis of, of what you're trying to do and, and pushing the culture and all the other stuff. So you need to be on TV. So they need to play basketball. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. It's not playing a game. What are you doing? Like, What is, what is it really going to resolve? resolve at this point, though? You're sitting out the game. You're not getting paid. And... What? Now you can start, you're hurting the salary cap for your guys next season, all kinds of stuff. There's a trickle-down effect. But I don't see the bigger the bigger stage you have is no no bigger than the NBA stage right now. Yeah. So if you don't go play play the game, I mean, you can talk as much as you want about uh, social injustices and everything after the game or before right. the game, press conferences. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Do you think they will play? Well, ultimately, will they get down there? Man, they playing, dude. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> you got two. You got a couple of guys. Some of them shouldn't play. Maybe a few, not even a handful of guys. How many people who really came out and said they shouldn't play it? That's actively playing. You know, Kyrie? I think, only, I think only two. Two. Kyrie and Dwight, you know what I'm saying? Which they have a valid point to a certain degree, but I don't I don't agree with that, though. So, like, what is sitting out and boycotting not playing the season? What is that going to accomplish, really? I don't see it. Uh, when I think about the, 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 the scale of what's going on, how things happen in this country, you know, only way you really affect anything in this country, in this country is economically. So you got to have the money to do that stuff. So let's be, I mean, we can be naive to it all we want. You know, my, my, while, while I'm coming to, to learn and research I'm doing, you got to go pay for these guys. You got to go buy these guys in order to make change. <laughs> yeah. So the only way you can get that money is if you're playing the games. So get that money in the NBA and go play these games and make it happen. Much like what Donovan Mitchell was saying about white people, Athletes and celebrities and politicians need to use that platform, that voice that they've been given by the public, by the people, to further this cause and exact real change. And uh, it's their right to play or not to play. But if I were in their shoes, I would play. And every time I'm asked a question, I would respond with a statistic that involves Black Lives Matter, that involves police brutality against black people. Every time I'm asked, so uh, in that third quarter, the, you guys had uh, an opportunity to go up 18 points. Uh, what happened? How were you able to do that? I would ignore the question and answer with a Black Lives Matter statement of some kind and make that my, my platform. Use that as a, to create more momentum to carry this movement going forward. So uh, well said by The Matrix, Sean Marion there. All right, MLB Network ran a documentary about Ken Griffey Jr. over the weekend. I don't have MLB Network, so I haven't seen this in its entirety, but Ken Griffey Jr. was asked about why he hated the Yankees so much as a player. And he shared this story about when his father was nearing the end of his career and playing for the Yankees, and and Jr. visited him at Yankee Stadium uh, during batting practice and had this encounter take place. The other thing was, I came up to visit my dad, and it was just me and him, and got to the ballpark early. I'm sitting in a dugout, and uh, the security guard comes over and says, hey, George doesn't want anybody in the dugout. 
my dad was like, what? He, my son. So he goes, all right, hey, go in my locker. He goes, but before you go, look at third base. It's Craig Nettle's son taking ground balls at third base. time my dad was you know 38 years old he's like I ain't fighting this no more I got somebody a little younger and a little bit better you know there's certain things that a dad drills into you as a kid that just sticks with you and that was one of them I mean what to beat the Yankees yeah in case you missed it, in case you couldn't hear it, that also included in that clip was a, a flashback to when King Griffey Jr. was signing autographs of Yankees fans at Yankee Stadium, and one of them asked him, hey, come play for the Yankees, and he said no. If they were the last team to ever offer him a contract, he'd retire, and the guy and said, you don't believe me, that's because you don't know me, and now we know why. And bravo to the Griffeys for uh, uh, standing with what they believed. And now, now it later came out that it wasn't Steinbrenner. It was actually the manager, Billy Martin, who was then hiding behind and saying it was Steinbrenner that didn't want the kids around. And shame on Billy Martin for doing that. But Ken Griffey Jr. was always my favorite player uh, and still holds a real dear place in my heart as a baseball player and, more importantly, as a trendsetter uh, and a, a black man who really made... Uh, real change and strides against racism in this country by doing what his platform allowed him to do, and that was play baseball and be himself. Turn your hat around, regardless of whatever racist person said about it. You were you, you did you, and you exacted change. And my tip of the cap goes to King Griffey Jr. for that. Yes, it is a military Monday here on the EP podcast, and we want to take a moment and give a tip of the cap to all of our military families around the world and in this country. Hope you had a good, safe, and happy Father's Day. And because it was Father's Day, I wanted to revisit a, a moment we had with Kyle Fox of Follow the Flag, the nonprofit organization here in Utah. And we talked about a moment that he uh, shared with Justin Rozier. He was a 15-year-old uh, boy in Texas who his father passed away when Justin was nine months old. His father was a soldier who gave his life in Iraq for the fight of freedom and liberty in this country and in this world. And Justin needed, wanted, and, and deserved a new car for when he would turn 16. Kyle and his son and some friends helped his mother track down, purchase, and get that car to Justin Steve Hartman of CBS Sport or CBS Evening News rather did an expose on that. But first, I wanted to hear, wanted to play what Kyle had to say about that moment, and then you'll hear the audio of that Steve Hartman on the road report with Justin Rozier and Kyle Fox. Even in Texas, a horse only gets you so far, which is why 15-year-old Justin Rozier has been thinking lately about a car. Specifically, he told his mom Jessica he would love to have a car, any car. 
that his dad once owned. Whoa. I mean, it could have been a 1974 Dodge Astro. I don't even know if that's a car, but he, it could have been anything, and he would have said yes. Why? I know that he wishes his dad was here. In 2003, Justin's dad, Army First Lieutenant Jonathan Rozier, died in Iraq. Justin was nine months old. Today, he cherishes anything that used to belong to his dad, which is why he thought it would be so cool to have his car. I don't know, like just knowing that, it that he had it, it's a whole lot different than just any other thing, really. Unfortunately, yeah. after John died, Jessica had to sell the car, a 99 Toyota Celica convertible like this one. Finding it again would be nearly impossible, but Jessica said she had to at least try. So I feel like this is something that would, would connect him. But this is a needle in a haystack. Well, I've seen magical things happen on Facebook. So she turned to Facebook, posted the old VIN number with a note asking for help. And somehow that message made it all the way to Pleasant Grove, Utah, where local residents not only found the car, we decided, you know, let's, let's see if we can buy the car. This is Kyle Fox, and, and I'm not saying so I'm he's a saint, to do something but, like that to serve and, um, well, and that butterfly <laughs> stayed there for half an hour. <laughs> no, I don't even know where I was in that. <laughs> anyway, Kyle, who runs a nonprofit called Follow the Flag, got donations to purchase the car and then assembled a team of volunteer mechanics to fix it like new. All of this unbeknownst to Justin until this very moment. Last month, Kyle drove the car from Utah to surprise Justin for his 15th birthday. Go see it. I can't tell you what this meant to Justin. I mean, I really can't. He tried to explain it to me, but when he opened his mouth, no words fell out. It's a link to the past for him. Yeah. It's a big thing for me, too. I never got to see him come home, so that just one moment right there was, I think I needed that. <laughs> Obviously, this was never about a car. No, this was about trying to push past what you can't forget, trying to remember what you never knew, all with the help of a country so grateful and kind you can't imagine. I'm so glad we could do this for you. <laughs> Steve Hartman on the road in Moore, Texas. All right, so you've got a bunch of stories on your website. Your blog is constantly filling up with more stories that people can go check out. It's followtheflag.org to check out those stories. Two more questions I got for you, though. I do want you to tell our audience the story of Justin Rosier and uh, his yeah. father, First Lieutenant Jonathan. And then I'm going to ask if there's ways people can volunteer. But first, tell us the story. I'm sure people saw, was it Steve Hartman that, that did a story yeah. on this? Everyone's done a story on this, but this one, this one's incredible. So tell us the story of young Justin. Yeah, so young Justin, this was, this was a first for us that we stepped outside of the box, you know. We, we literally, people would ask us, what, what do you do? What, what are you about? And we're like, we hang a flag in a canyon. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. That was it at the time. And so a uh, close friend here in Pleasant Grove, Sid Lamone, she had, um, she's all over the social media and that's how she connects with the community. And um, she had sent me uh, a link to a post. There was a very generic Pleasant Grove um, Facebook page 
that this um, this woman from uh, Texas had put a post about this car that she was looking for. And um, so she shared that with me and I kind of looked at it and she's like, this is kind of military and it might be something that you guys can be involved in. And I, I did kind of brush it off and it took her a couple times to poke me to, to get my attention and get going. But um, sure enough, we spread the word um, and um, we, I drafted up a GoFundMe campaign and just waited to push enter. Um, and sure enough, that car was, um, the car was found in Pleasant Grove, only a few blocks from my house. Wow. So I, I hit enter on that GoFundMe and it, it more than filled. But to give you some background about it, the car was the car that uh, the, the husband and wife had a boy and they brought him home from the hospital in. And when he was six months old, the young boy, his dad went to serve our country in Iraq and was tragically killed. And um, so to make ends meet, she sold the car, she sold the, the house and did everything to try to survive. And then stumbled across some old paperwork on the car and it just, a light went on her head. I'm, I'm gonna try and find this. And this is what military families do actually, is try to try to connect those those vehicles and things like that. And so Carfax will tell you a city it's in, but not the home or the location. Mm. So anyhow, community came together. I had this money that I was going to use to have the car transported there and maybe a little bit of repair. Uh, the first place we took to the AF collision he took a look at it and I, I left it there, came back a few hours later and he had networked with all of his contacts in the uh, automotive industry um, and everybody did everything for free, offered all parts and labor and we did a full restore on the car. So when, when I knew that was taking place, there was no way I was not gonna be delivering that car to Justin. And, and like you said, the story got out and uh, CBS got a hold of it and they followed it along and they were able to share a feel good story that is just continues to get cycled on social media. It's amazing. It should that happen. It should be shared every day by someone else. It's to yeah. see that Justin, 16 year old Justin's eyes and, and he's speechless. This is, and he feels his dad coursing through that car. And I believe his dad was there. I, I don't know. I'm sure you probably oh, yeah. feel the same, but just well, an incredible a thing. There's a butterfly that lands on my shirt during right. that interview, and it sits there for about 30 minutes. And then hours later, when Justin gets in the car, the butterfly comes back. I, there's actually a lady who wrote me last month and is putting me in a butterfly book. <laughs> oh man so you've I'm made it now you've yeah. made that's why you wear that big beard it's so you, you look more manly in a butterfly book that's what that's the idea there <laughs> that's gonna do it for an ep podcast here on a military monday coming up tomorrow a top 10 tuesday can't wait tune in then thanks for joining me i'm austin horton until then be good to each other
time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> Players aren't just gladiators running around in their underwear. You can't play basketball in, in, in your underwear. You're wearing blue underwear, really? I'm going to keep it, you know? But it's not going to be to look at men, uh, you know, naked men in their underwear. Dare I say his underwear? In our underwear. It came up uh, what, what was perhaps uh, the, uh, the the favored kind of underwear in the NFL, boxers or briefs. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Grandma always said, don't wear your underwear more than once. Yes.